Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TGIF, everybody. Sports talk kicking off. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. No Cajun Cannon today. Also, Charlie Long joining us at Master Control. A three-hour extravaganza planned for you. We'll talk some Saints action with Catherine Terrell of of ESPN coming up at 435. Also, Saints Super Bowl champ Scott Stanley joining us in the 5 o'clock hour. And then 6 o'clock, we'll round things off. A little Pelicans talk. Previewing tonight's game against the Phoenix Suns. Here's some sound. Also, Ali Cosell, the editor-in-chief at thebirdrights.com, will join us at 6.20. Uh, Jeff, we're back in the studio. It's the offseason, so here we are again. An extended edition, I would say, of Inside Black and Gold. There we go. <laughs> yes, we pelican. There you go. Uh, I, well, I, I want to ask Ali about this. we got about two hours to kill beforehand, <laughs> but have you seen the court The court that they're going to be playing I on absolutely tonight? love it. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, I do think it's always funny to me. You know, remember the whole won't bow down debacle where they it's like you can't make this stuff up in a lab like some (laughs) things just work and you land on it and everyone embraces it and being good helps right when you're bad absolutely you know there's a thin line between cool and corny and when you're bad that line is is right on top of you right you can't you can do so few things and have them received the way you hope so hope like in a novelty way as opposed to in like a, ugh, I don't want to do that way. And I, I remember vividly going to those games. I think it was 2019. It was pre-COVID. Right. Uh, and they would come out in like the after the third quarter with the drum. And he was like, won't bow down. And, you know, in a world where the entire crowd was into it, it would have been maybe fun. But in the world we lived in, it was just like like Pierre the Pelican banging a drum <laughs> and no one else participating. And they would actually pipe the sound in. Through the speakers, and I just think it's very funny how sometimes, like, like the Hudat chant, right? Like when that gets going and it's very cool and everyone embraces it, right? But then you try to manufacture that, uh, like, it outside of the natural <laughs> order of things, and it's awful, and it's awful. And I only bring that up because I think they, the Pelicans, happened upon this like skeleton thing, right? That is so cool and so. Like, it's going to be here. It's not going to go away. It's, I hope not. I they, want it to they stick actually, around. Well, they actually took the in-season tournament court, that the purple and green court, sanded it down, repainted it, and that's the court they're using tonight. Wow. Okay, and it, I didn't know that much about it, but it does look fantastic. Yeah, it's a lot more subtle, right? Yeah. You know, it doesn't hurt your eyes to look at in the way the in-season tournament <laughs> I might be able to see did. the basketball in action, too. Right, but the color scheme, the the logo with the bones, everything about it is is just fun and cool, and it's 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 interesting how when you're good, which the Pelicans are a good team right now, it's a lot easier to get away with stuff like that, and people are like, "This is awesome!" Instead of "This is corny." So I'm looking forward to it. I want to be out there. I'm going to be out there tonight. Get the get one of those plush hats that everyone tries to sell on eBay. You know, it's it's going to be a good time. I know you you ended up with two last time. I did. Well, I mean, I I, I had one, and the person I went with had right. one. But I have two at my home. <laughs> I'm holding on to them until you know it's like a commodity for me now. Like I, I'm going to sell it in 20 years and become you know retire. You just need off to get it earnings. signed by the Yukon boy uh, Hawkins, who's been lighting things Hawk. up. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> but yeah, the whole That's thing with the, the the Pelicans, this city edition uniform now this year, loving the color scheme. I would love if it became 
a permanent fixture here. Uh, my kiddo got a hoodie, Zion Williamson, you know, in those colors. Yeah, the and green I, is good. It's so I, good. I, I just it's wish unique. I could fit into it now. I need my own. <laughs> like, I think the Timberwolves try to do a lime green, um, and it's not I, – like, I don't – but I don't think it's, like, that cool looking. It doesn't really fit. Uh, but I think, like, the Pelicans' color scheme has always kind of been trying to do Mardi Gras, right? It's always been trying to be that, yeah. like, like, uh, like pastel kind of color, but it doesn't work. And I just think like the the kind of neon. I don't even know. It's not lime green. It's like a neon green. I just think that green. It's like looks very matrixy. Yeah, it's it's a cool scheme. It's a cool color scheme. And I, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying this Pelicans team. They're fun to watch. It's nice to have a team <laughs> to root squad. for that beats bad teams and also can occasionally beat good teams. Like the Pelicans have gotten to a point where they only lose to good teams, and I appreciate that because for a long time it was like you never knew which Pelicans team was going to go out there. Uh, and it's nice to be able to turn on a Pelicans game and 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 think reasonably that's like, oh, they're going to win this game. Uh, big news today, if you hadn't seen, the uh, publisher of Sports Illustrated sent layoff notices to most and possibly all of its journalists. Yeah. Uh, as the staff union said, an authentic brands group, the magazine's owner, has terminated its licensing as a, a agreement with the arena group to publish Sports Illustrated. So the future looks pretty dismal for a pretty much sports icon obviously we all grew up with yeah well i would say like the and we talked about this before we came on air the sports illustrated that that you kind of think about nostalgically it hasn't really existed for a while you know since i i kind of go back to when they laid off all their photographers like if you're gonna be an illustrated something you can't not have pictures anyway but you know so this is a lot of those you know like the saints news network i believe is is the local one john hendricks who we right. talked to a lot um, you know, so and that's really, I don't know what that means for them. I have, I imagine that a lot of these individual platforms will still exist and they'll just try to maintain that in other ways, independently of sports illustrated. I was going to say somehow the name might have to change. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how it all operates, right. but you know, I don't know how much sports illustrated was directly involved in a lot of these kind of offshoots as opposed to they're just supplementing it and putting their name on it. So we'll see, but it is disappointing anytime you see any any news outlet lose their funding or lose their you know a lot of people lose their jobs and the sports coverage in general like the sports coverage landscape is worse off for it um you know and and that just becomes more and more and it is and it is a weird thing because i don't i think sports in terms of their footprint you know professional sports the nfl the nba you know they're bigger than ever yet the coverage and the amount of money that gets dedicated to that coverage is just going down and down and down, at least relative to the amount, you know, inflation. Well, too, I think obviously more and more digital coverage yeah. and the print issue is something that's been suffering so much. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that's just been, you know, I used to work at a newspaper. I know all about that. Right. Um, you know, it's and you just can't turn the same profit on a digital platform as you could on a print platform, but no one wants to pay for a newspaper. No one wants to pay for a magazine. So you try to make ends meet in other ways. And it's a, it's a whole thing. We've been seeing it happen. It's been a slow, a slow burn for the last sporting news. I think 20 has years. had a bunch of layoffs recently yeah, too. It's, 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 it's rough. So, uh, you know, I, you know, hopefully everyone that it gets affected by that, you know, is able to land on their feet, find other ways. Uh, you know, I, I hope John still covers the saints. I think he does a great job covering the saints. So I would hate, to see him not be able to continue doing that in some respect. Yeah, the little bit I saw on social media, I think he is safe currently, at least, thankfully. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bummer. It's really disappointing to see that. The Saints even tweeting out a bunch of, you know, nostalgic covers from past of Sports Illustrated. Obviously, yeah. 
one dear uh, to our hearts, obviously, with George Bobby Abier on the cover. Oh, and that one, yeah. yeah, of him holding his kid, Balin, when he's just a baby with the confetti coming down, the headphones on the kid's ears. It's just definitely an iconic piece that I have hanging in my office for sure. Yeah, it's it's really uh, an incredible case study in watching an, a legacy brand just get destroyed and taken apart piece by piece due to mismanagement and and you know the economy and all this other stuff but yeah i mean that company that you're talking about in my opinion stopped existing a long time ago like i the sports illustrated that that i grew up with has right. not been existing like what i think i kind of go back to when they rebranded to si <laughs> right like from that point when it was si instead of sports illustrated i never viewed it as the same and today you are talking about a almost a different company of the same name laying people off um but it, it's still it's still awful want to hear from you on our oakland heart jewelers talk and text line going to get in plenty of pelicans talk also the saints search for a new offensive coordinator also touch on a little bit of mickey loomis's uh post-season press conference definitely a lot to gather there uh we'll be right back here on sports talk here on wwl stay tuned worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into Sports Talk. Some black and gold news, sort of. You could say the Atlanta Falcons have requested an interview now with former Saints assistant coach in Aaron Glenn, who is the defensive coordinator over with the Detroit Lions. Also, Bill Belichick, we know, obviously getting a second interview over there coming up uh, with the Dirty Birds. Going to be interesting to see what shakes out in Atlanta. Kind of funny, obviously, with the 28-3 to memes I'm expecting if they end up hiring Bill Belichick somehow. Yeah, so Aaron, Aaron Glenn's getting interviewed for the head coaching job, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think he, sh- he should be a candidate for a lot of different teams. Uh, I think Tennessee was taking a, t- a look at him as well. Yeah, yeah, no, he's a – I mean, look what he's done with that Lions defense. They've been very good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you can count me among the, the group that – is not concerned about Bill Belichick going to Atlanta if he does, right? Like I, everyone's over. I would be way more concerned if it was Harbaugh, you know, or or yeah, there's a few other names that. Uh, but like Bill Belichick, what has he done in the last? Like you, you, you could look at his career and say, outside of Tom Brady, he is not a winning head coach. And it's not even the, like he has one winning season to his credit outside yeah, hopefully of Tom he's not, Brady. Yeah, hopefully he's not coaxing Tom out of retirement. Right. Oh, yeah. if, if Tom <laughs> that was, happens, if, right. If Tom was headed to Atlanta, I'd be more concerned. <laughs> but like, what has Bill Belichick done other than watch the slow erosion of the Patriots? Terrible a team drafting. he had full control over. It's right. not like he can point to the GM or, or whoever and say, they didn't support me, blah, blah, blah. He had full personnel control of that team, and he guided it straight to the ground. He drafted the quarterback that he wanted. He had all the time in the world. They didn't rush him out the door. He had an entire cycle to make it obvious that it was not just Tom Brady leading that that franchise to success <laughs> and Bill Belichick guide, helping guide him, right? And and he didn't do it. He failed. 
like a Meanwhile, Tom takes off and gets a, a Super Bowl ring his first year away. Dude got shut out by the Saints. <laughs> Dude got shut out by a 9-8 and eight Saints team, a team that missed the playoffs. That's the coach you're worried about? I'm not worried about that. Right, I would be a lot more worried if they brought in, if the Falcons brought in an up-and-coming, you know, offensive wizard-type coach, sure. or even a Jim Harbaugh who has a pretty intricate knowledge of all these players coming out. Right, like I, I think that's an advantage. I see no advantage for the Falcons being the last hurrah for Bill Belichick as he sets a record. That's to me what that hire is about. It's it's, it's about raising their profile, not necessarily doing anything. So we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not looking at that and saying, oh no, uh, the NFC South is in trouble because Bill Belichick is showing up. Yeah, and I don't know if he's going to have that much control, obviously, in Atlanta because what would that mean for is, GM um, Terry Fontenot over there in Atlanta? Well, maybe that maybe they'll be better for that because uh, look, if you look at how the Patriots have drafted the last oh, it's been four or five years, awful. it's been bad. And and you you were able to look past it because they were, they <laughs> were able to overcome a lot of that, but it's been bad. It has been objectively bad. So I hope that, uh, for the Falcons' sake, that they allow Terry Fontenot to continue to guide that team. And, you know, the question is, okay, who's your quarterback? <laughs> I don't think you're going to stick him with Desmond Ritter or nah. Taylor Heineke. So do you go after Russell Wilson? Do you do whatever? Um, I don't think you hire Bill Belichick and bring in a developmental quarterback. Um, you're not drafting. Maybe a Kirk Cousins? I mean, they're drafting number eight. Maybe they could trade up. Maybe a Kirk Cousins would make sense. Right. Um, yeah, maybe they can. Uh, maybe they have the ammunition to go up and get a Drake May or or Jaden Daniels. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, count me among the unconvinced. Amongst the head coaching news, well, coaching news actually, uh, the Chargers complete an interview today with Dallas defensive coordinator Dan Quinn for their head coaching job. So yeah. Chargers still in search of their man Just, there. Although it seems like Harbaugh is the fit. Something about that Super Bowl. Everyone wants a piece of it. <laughs> that, that 28 to 3 on both sides. Uh, we'll be back with more sports talk right after this. Going to talk some Saints with ESPN reporter Catherine Terrell right here on WWL. Welcome back into Sports Talk, our Friday edition. Hanging out with Jeff Nowak, Charlie Long. Also joining us now, ESPN Saints reporter Catherine Terrell. How you been, Cat? Hey, I'm doing great. I feel like uh, I might be able to actually enjoy the off season uh, now that Mickey Loomis, you know, did a season-ending presser. But you know, as soon as I say that, something's going to happen. So I should probably just keep it to myself. Yeah, the off season lasts as, as long as this cold snap lasts. So once the weather warms <laughs> up, then uh, we will be right back, right back in the flow. Exactly. Uh, looking at, uh, you know, going back to Mickey Loomis's press conference, obviously the gum smacking and him <laughs> comparing Dennis Allen to a bunch of Hall of Fame coaches were the big standouts. But other than that, what did you, what were your biggest takeaways that you felt um, were the biggest keys to, to what Loomis had to say? Uh, well, I will say, like, just, you know, touching on the gum for a <laughs> second, uh, that was a huge topic of discussion. <laughs> Someone else uh, pointed out to me, you know, Mickey Loomis was up there um, talking about culture and, you know, how he wants to make everyone uncomfortable and they all got too lax. And he's saying this while chewing gum. So you think he was trying to make everyone uncomfortable by chewing gum? Uh, maybe. I couldn't stop. I, I couldn't <laughs> stop focusing on it. It's like a 3D chest. He thought he was sick, but uh, it was it was uh, it was odd. Um, I'll put it that way. But you know, he said, and I'm sure I've talked about this, but he was that was the whole theme that they let standards slide. They need to live up to the standard, and everyone needs to to do more. But then I think he said something like, "The last 
three to five years, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I was just sitting there thinking, like, five years? So uh, is that is he saying that ever since the no-call, things just kind of got away from them? I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting is he we talked about the, the Hall of Fame head coaches. The other thing he did was call back to the first three years under Sean Payton and how he said, quote, he heard a lot of the same noise then. I thought that was interesting because, in my opinion, that's not the great comparison to make. But if you want to look back at the seven and nine seasons, I do think you saw a lot of that, where it was kind of these wrinkles that popped up that you didn't ever iron out. And then they just built up and built up and built up. And all of a sudden, you got a shirt you can't wear out in public. But you know, I think these past two years, have you seen a lot of that too? And to me, that's where Mickey, when he has this kind of smirk on his face, like he's been there before, it's because he has. It's because he's seen this kind of run where things kind of fall off and then you you kind of have a come to Jesus moment and everyone kind of gets back on the same page. And I guess I'm just curious because you were, you were around for that. You, I think you were around for that unless you were in Cincinnati. I can't remember. Um, but, you know, how – what do you think about that? Because to me, that's the better comparison. And if you're trying to find a way to, to, to convince yourself that this team can find the, the magic combination to get back to the playoffs, it's that. It's the 2017 season where you nailed the draft and you got all these pieces and they hit, and then you had that run of success. Yeah, I actually pointed that out on Twitter. I thought he made the wrong comparison. You know, I wasn't covering the team in 2007 or 2008, but – I am from Louisiana, so I, I hear about these things a lot. I watched the Saints. I don't remember people saying that about Peyton, that you know he needed to go in 07 or 08. And I think that, as you pointed out, it was a different story in, in maybe 14, 15, and then I, I left before the 16th season. But that was because people were wondering if the game had passed Peyton by. The difference is he'd already had the success. People just weren't sure if he was going to be able to sustain that success. And obviously, once they figured out the reset and getting everyone back on the same page, they had a lot of success. But people feel a little differently now because I don't think, well, I know that Dennis Allen has not proved that he's had that success. Going into year five of his total head coaching tenure, he hasn't taken a team to the NFC Championship. The The team hasn't made the playoffs under him. So it's just a different mindset from the fans. It's more not has the game passed you by. It's, okay, are you able – are you the coach to get us there? And when I asked Mickey Loomis point blank why he felt Dennis Allen was the coach to get the Saints back to the playoffs, I don't really think he, he had much of an answer. I don't, I don't know if you got that same sense, but mm-hmm. he didn't list anything specific. Uh, looking at, obviously, the big search right now for an offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael, out, and I think everybody, uh, a lot of Saints fans, think it's been a long time coming. Uh, the, the offense was kind of old and stale. We'll see what kind of life can get brought back into it. We know Dan Pitcher, Zach Robinson, Shane Waldron, uh, currently among the candidates they're looking to interview. Uh, that Sean McVay coaching tree stands out. Uh, but are, what else do you feel about uh, the Saints going in a new direction right now at OC and uh, about the candidates that they're going to be bringing in to, to at least look at right now and who knows what else uh, stands ahead? 
Yeah, I think that it was the right thing to do. I think that uh, Pete Carmichael has made a ton of contributions to the offense, and you can't deny that. Right. But I also think that the team needed a change. They need something that's going to excite the fan base, that is going to excite the team. And maybe getting one of these young up-and-comers uh, is going to do that. Now, I don't know if that's the way they're going to go. I'm sure there's people on staff that they're going to give a look at, maybe Ronald Curry. But I think that it's, it's definitely kind of exciting for, you know, people watching this team if they do go that outside the building, younger direction, especially maybe someone from the Sean McVay tree. Because, you know, that has panned out before, like Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. Uh, there was a lot of questions about that hire when he went to Cincinnati because he was so young and, and they've been able to have success there. Um, obviously, a large part of that was getting the right quarterback. And there are going to be questions about this quarterback situation. But I think if you get anything out of Mickey's press conference, then you should get that it is clear that not only does he fully support and believe in Dennis Allen, but they seem to fully support and believe in, in Derek Carr as their quarterback going forward. Yeah, and, and I think you know the other thing that's worth mentioning is you know they're in no rush. You know that's just something that this team views as a strength. But I, I am I am curious as you as you look at it because I'm of two minds about it in terms of you could go outside the organization, you could bring in kind of a young up and comer who who may want to change things and kind of rebuild things in his own image. But then you also have to look at it and say, well, you have a Derek Carr, and then you have a guy like Taysom Hill, who there's no other team in the NFL that has a Taysom Hill package. So are you going to bring somebody in and say, you have to do this, or are you going to give them the option? And then if they say, well, that's not really going to work for me, what, do you move on? Or you know, I think that's where I kind of come at it is, I'm not sure. How much are you going to change? Because this is a team and an organization that hasn't changed its offense, really, substantially at least, since 2006. So... I mean, how much should you change? I'm curious where you land on that. Yeah, actually, I think that's a great point, especially because the Saints seem to have so many issues of getting Carr on the same page as the receivers and the rest of the offense. Do you want to wipe that out and start all over again and go through those same growing pains? I don't know. So maybe any offensive coordinator would have to work within the parameters of what the Saints already do. I think that's why John Gruden's name is probably going to come up a lot. Uh, if they do go that way, and no, none of us know that they will, um, he hasn't even really, you know, he interviewed or anything like that. He's just a name. So they, if they do go that way, Gruden has worked with Carr before. I just think that that that's a tricky one. And if they want to bring Gruden in, do they kind of do it despite all the controversy and the lawsuit and fully make him the face, you know, the offensive coordinator, or would they go another route and bring him in as like an offensive? analyst or a senior offensive assistant to help out Carr. I don't know. I just do think that you make a good point as to whether they're ready for a total change as exciting as the thought does sound, because I do think that they got pretty stale in a lot of ways this off, this off season, this season, you know, they didn't use motion a lot. They were for a very long time, the last team in the league in the use of play action and things like that. So I do think there needs to be some sort of jolt. We found out today uh, the New England Patriots, Rob Mayo, 
rounding out his trying to get his staff filled out over there uh, wanting to interview linebackers coach Michael Hodges for the Saints uh, definitely think it'd be a great hire in New England would hate to lose him uh, but just curious uh, there hasn't been any changes for Dennis Allen on his staff currently uh, do you expect anything to happen obviously if Hodges leaves you're going to be needing to fill a new role there but other than that uh, either on the defensive side or I was kind of surprised with the offensive side with the the, the guys that were let go that someone like Doug Mar- Rohn was not part of that just because of the lack of development we've seen with the offensive line the last two years, especially with a guy like Trevor Penning. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Michael, I think Michael Hodges is a fantastic young coach. I believe uh, the Bengals tried to, to poach him away a few years ago before he was the linebackers coach. I think <laughs> I think they realized that he was a young up-and-comer. Um, so it's not surprising another team is trying to get him. And we'll see what happens with that. You know, Mickey Lewis kind of made it seem like there weren't going to be many more changes. I, I, I did think the Marone thing was interesting. Uh, I think that he was asked specifically if Marone was going to retire. Right. So he said he didn't think so. So that's not really answering whether or not he's going to be brought back. But that is one I would – I was I'm surprised they didn't make a change there because – I really think that you have to figure out how to get Trevor Penning um, in the starting lineup. Anything. Just, yeah, anything. Or even just uh, what James Hurst was when he first got here. You right. know, he, James Hurst was not intended to be the, the full-time starter, and he's really been great at that. At everything he's been asked to do. But, you know, I think the Saints have had too many misses with their first-round picks. They've got to get Trevor Penning uh, – uh, on the same page as them. I, I, I don't even know up to speed. I mean, the thing is they don't even trust them to play in a blowout. So I think that that says a lot. And with, you know, on the other side, Peyton Turner also not playing. I mean, that's, that's two pretty big misses in the first round. So they, they've got to figure something out. If they don't uh, change an offense, change the offensive line coach, maybe you bring someone in like a Zach Street type as an assistant. I, I don't know. Yeah, up to speed and and up to what speed is really the question. How many gears? Right. How many gears work on that bike? Um, but you know, Kat, obviously it's the off season. I'm curious. Do you do you sit down and watch all these playoff games? Because I kind of get to this point in the season and and I'm almost footballed out in a sense. No, and and I just like I, I can watch maybe one or two a weekend. But there's you know all these games. I guess when you get into the, the AFC and NFC championship, I'm just curious how you how you how do you deal with that personally. Uh, oh no! I, I love person. it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I'm already talking with people about where we're, where we're going to go watch the the Green game, the Green Bay game tomorrow. <laughs> like, um, I, I'm, but you know, I'm like a crazy person who, in the during when the season's going on, I watch Monday Night Football Thursday, Sunday, college football on Saturday. Maybe the only thing I don't do is watch Friday night college football. But you know, I I love it and I always miss it when it's gone. But I, I am with you in that. Um, at this point of the season, it is nice to have a break because this, if they, if the Saints were still playing, this would be week 25 yep. for us, I think. <laughs> the Saints ended on week 24. I mean, so it's once when training camp starts until the season ends, that is, that is 24 straight weeks. And uh, it's a lot, but, you know, once it's gone, I get pretty bored pretty quickly <laughs> and I miss it.
Yeah, I'm with you. I'm ready to, you know, i am got my plans to go grocery shopping early tomorrow, yeah. and I'll be parked on my couch watching the games and definitely uh, tuned in for both of those and then two of them on Sunday. Jeff, it's just there's so many. There's Pelican so little. Season. There's Pelican so little season. left. The Pelicans won't be playing tomorrow. Okay. Come on, it's fun. And, you know, you're just all – you all you have to do is watch it. You don't have to work. That's awesome. Oh, that's great. a beautiful this thing. This is true. I can't yeah. complain too much. Cat, always yeah, appreciate the time. Always appreciate the yeah, time. Enjoy the playoff on. action. Oh, I, I will. I'll be watching. Appreciate it. Catherine Terrell, ESPN Saints reporter. You can check out her work, obviously, ESPN.com. We'll be back with more of Sports Talk right after the break. See you, Larry, James, and all your callers on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Be right back after this on WWL. Welcome back into Sports Talk. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak and Charlie Long hanging out till 7 o'clock tonight with you. Uh, talking about the Saints offensive coordinator gig. I know there's been a ton of speculation, too, about John Gruden. And I think you brought up a very interesting point off, off mic, Jeff, that we oh, want to talk about. About. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think one of the one of the hurdles in terms of like even considering John Gruden for the offensive coordinator role is, you know, I, I just don't know if you can trust that situation to walk in and have him be the second in command or whatever, right? Like you're right, being you're, a consultant's one thing. Yeah, like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if they make him some kind of analyst and put him up in the booth. He's not on the field during the games and not drawing attention away. I just think like like look at it this way is would you like think about some of the head coaches that have won Super Bowls, right? That have that have a ton of success and feel like they are a head coach. Would they ever go and be an offensive coordinator? Think think about Sean Payton. Can you imagine Sean Payton going and being on someone else's staff as the offensive coordinator at this point in his career? Hell no. Absolutely not. And so that's why when I look at it and say John Gruden would he even want to be an offensive coordinator? I don't know. I just feel like that would end up being a power struggle. And even beyond any of the awkwardness with the lawsuit and, and, and this email scandal and whatever, right. to me, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow in, in, order, in terms of trusting that. And so I, I think you're going to try to go with someone who has been an offensive coordinator before, personally. I think you, there's, this is not a situation where you can allow someone to grow into the role. Like There's too much pressure on it this year. This is, a, in my opinion, a make-or-break year for Dennis You want Allen. someone established. I want someone who's been an offensive coordinator. I want someone who's called plays. Probably Shane Waldron. If I'm picking right now, right. based on the candidates that we know about, I think Shane Waldron would be at the top of my list. Now, keep in mind, and, and people keep talking about, oh, this guy, this guy. 25% of the NFL is still playing right now, and that, that is the best 25%. <laughs> so <laughs> the, most, the best teams are still playing right now, and you haven't even been able to interview any of those candidates so like we're looking at this this in terms of the 75 percent that did not make the divisional round of the playoffs versus the 25 percent that is well run and probably has the staffs that you're going to want to pick pieces off of well uh going to james on our oakland heart jewelers talking text line what you got for us james god i feel like i'm on 95 in the belt with crazy out here on the, on the side <laughs> drive safe man yeah so 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 listen um to your point uh, I was in D.C. recently, and, and John, well, not John Gruden, uh, his brother, Jay. used to coach the Redskins. Now, now the commanders, whatever they call him. And they asked him about his brother, and he said, you know, if, if the Saints thing was a real thing, and he said, well, yeah, he don't really see his brother, you know, basically playing a secondary role because right. he does love football. He does love football, so you never know. And, I mean, let's be honest. Gruden will coach circles around uh, D as a head coach because he's a leader. D is not a leader. He's not a sergeant. And, and one thing Gruden is, another him, I hate him, he is a leader. But the guy that I, I wanted to bring up was Clint Q. 
Kubiak because mm. uh, his uh, his dad um, and in, any name Kubiak, okay. his dad is just like really very offensive line uh, centric, and he will make that line work. The reason why the offensive the offensive line coach is still around because I'm pretty sure uh, Latham, the offensive tackle. Uh, they, they say he could play left tackle. He could probably play left tackle just like Penny. They say Penny could play left tackle. His real position is going to be a monster at right tackle, or he could stick him in at guard if he's going to have trouble with the speed rushes. But he's a monster at right tackle, and he could fall us at 14 because pretty much all of the, the good left tackles are going to be gone by then. James, appreciate the time. Drive safely out there, my man. We got to get to the top of the hour news. Steve Geller, Jeff Nowak, Charlie Long getting it out with you. Sports talk till 7 o'clock tonight. Be back with more. Scott Shanley joining us next hour right here on WWL.